Welcome and thank you for joining us today on Friend of God, brought to you by Friendship Baptist Church in Sturges, Mississippi. It is our goal to take the Word of God to as many people as possible. We pray that you not only enjoy today's message, but more importantly, we hope and pray that it changes your heart and moves all of us to life change and action. God bless and enjoy. This morning we'll be in John chapter 15, starting in verse 18. And we'll be looking at the disciples and uh, their relationship to this world. And the first thing we look at in the disciples, which we've defined in this way, right? A disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ. So that means that you and I, who believe in Jesus, are disciples. So we follow him because he said, come follow me. He said, I will make you fishers of men. He said that you need to tell your testimony to a world that needs to hear it. And there's so many things that we get from the word of God that teaches us how to live humbly and how to walk justly with the Lord. There's so many things within the scripture that disciples are told because you got to think about it like this to the people of this world that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. These are merely just words on a page or things that are talked about in church. But for us, it is life. And it, and it shows us a better way than the world illustrates for me and for you, doesn't it? So we see the disciples primarily in this passage are talking about the disciples directly following Jesus. But we know it fits us too. It fits us in our lives. So how do you and I set realistic expectations in this life? How do you and I set those realistic things before us? Now, there's some of us that set high expectations, right? We set high expectations, and some, share, some of us set low expectations because of the things that we encounter in this life. We kind of let that skew what we expect or what we plan or what we think are going to happen ahead of us. But we began to set what we call realistic expectations. An expectation, if you look throughout the Bible, it is meaning to look forward to what will probably occur, whether in hope or in dread. It's, it's not as intense as you see in Hebrews where it talks about meaning to wait for that realization which one is assured for. And it talks about earnest expectations. It talks about all of these things. And one of the things the Bible mentions over and over again is that the wicked shall perish without hope in Jesus Christ. So there's a very clear defining line of what expectations are. But you can see that a relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior changes that expectation, doesn't it? It changes the way that we see things. It changes the way that we operate and live in this world. And while human experience has led us to expect or not expect much in certain areas, with God we have great expectation because great promise comes with that relationship, doesn't it? When you read the scriptures, it's not all doom and gloom. It's a, I'm giving you a way to find forgiveness for your sin. I'm giving you a way to tell the world about me. I'm giving you a way and I'm giving you a power that this world will never understand. 
So you and I might live here, right? But this is not our home, right? We're just passing through, as Billy Graham says. You know, we're not here forever. This life with all of its hurts and its difficulties, this life with all of its setbacks and hardships, y'all, this is not as good as it gets. For thus of us, those of us who know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So the Bible, God's Word, quickly lets us know what He expects of us, right? Because I like to know what's expected, and I know you kind of do too. And parents, when you're raising kids, what happens? You let them know your expectations. You set that level for them. And the Bible quickly sets that for us who are followers of Him. And one of the first things we see is that we can be we can have the expectation to be treated like Jesus, right? Especially if we are outspoken, bold, and courageous like Jesus was, right? Jesus didn't just color inside the lines. Jesus went to those who were on the margins, those that were on the outside. He went to those that were in greatest need. And He went to them to let them know that they could accept His free gift of eternal life and salvation. So there's... In my sense, how I read it, there's no one too far gone that he can't reach. And we begin to think, well, that's the hope the world needs to hear today. That's the hope that we need to experience today. And each and every one of us who call ourselves believers in Christ know what that feeling feels like. To feel like you are unloved and that sin has such stained you that you can never be loved. But at that time, even then, Jesus died for us. So we have a hope that the world needs to experience. And when they do, y'all, it changes everything, doesn't it? It changes the way that you see others around you, that you love others, that you take care of others. But we can expect if we do what he did, that we're going to receive some backlash for that, aren't we? We're going to receive some people who, who maybe are our friends in quotes, you know, but then when we start preaching and talking like Jesus, they might not want to because they're being convicted of the things that are going on. But that shouldn't change us or diminish our fervor. That should make us all the more know that God's doing something to amp it up, to pray harder, to do more. We see the Bible lets us know what that's all about. John 15, starting at verse 18, as you see there, and if you don't have a Bible, grab the one in your pew and it will take you to that passage as well. John 15, 18 says, If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, though, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. So the Bible quickly tells me and you, this is what we can expect if we're living in the right way, right? If you and I are unapologetically telling the good news wherever we go, if we are unapologetically serving other people without getting anything back, right? We're doing what Christ demonstrated to us. And we're going into places that no one else will. There are many of you that have occupations that put you in the doorsteps of people that, that I'll never see, but that you'll come in direct contact with. 
And you have opportunities through the way that you work and your work ethic, the way that you respect others, the way that you treat others, the way that you do for others, that that will make a difference in that person's life. There are many different things that make a difference in the lives of those around us. It's not just one thing. It takes all of us, right? Because all of us are uniquely different. God created us that way so that we could, we could actually reach unique and different people, right? It would be kind of boring if all of us were just alike, right? It would be kind of boring in this world. You noticed that there are all kinds of people, right? And all these people come from different backgrounds, different places, different understandings of Scripture, or not even an understanding of Scripture. They, there are some that don't even care. And they're not even asking the questions that you and I think they're asking. But as you and I love on folks, as we pray for folks, as we serve folks, as we go and live life in this world to the glory of God, it changes those around us because we are changed. Because we become bold and courageous, unapologetic, unwilling to compromise, it changes those around us. And it begins to change us first as we understand that we are not greater than He who is within us. He's greater. We understand that that's where our power comes from, but also we understand that we are going to be persecuted if we do all the things that we're supposed to do. And there's so many people, it's hard to get across to that mindset. Well, if I'm a Christian, then everything ought to be great. Everything ought to be good. Everything ought to be easy. Everything ought to be nice. And, and, and you know, we, we, we ought to be good to one another. All of these things happen in this world because there's sin in this world, y'all. We are not apart from that sense. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. We all need Him every day. We need His leadership, His power every day. But I think sometimes we expect people who don't know Jesus to act like they know Jesus. Y'all, we can't expect folks that don't know Jesus to act like they know Jesus. And sometimes we get in those kind of relationships in this world and we say, do you know so-and-so? And you say, well, sure, I know so-and-so. You know them by name or association, but you really don't know them, right? You know them because they're related to so-and-so and they're related to this person or that family or, or one time back then this happened, that happened, and we put it all together and we say, well, I know that person. But what's the difference in knowing somebody and knowing all about somebody? It's a relationship, right? It's a time thing. It's a sitting down and learning the the difficulties of their life, and, and, and learning the good things about them. It's a getting to know somebody, and Jesus took the time not just to come up and say, okay, I'm going to heal this person, or I'm going to do something for this person. He stopped and learned about them. What happened that got you to this point? What's going on in your life that I can help you with? Do you believe? Because I truly think in all of this that it wasn't just Jesus' coming, it was Jesus calling for them unto repentance. And that's what changed all the things that they were dealing with. You know, for us, it changes our perspective of how we suffer and suffer well, doesn't it? Because we go through some things sometimes, and and if we're really honest, there are those around us that are looking to say, okay, well, well, Brother Jeremy's good right now because he's not sick or he's not dealing with illness, he's not dealing with all these other things, but watch him whenever 
He gets down and out and see what happens. Does he pray like he does all the time? Does he read the Bible like he does all the time? Is he going to still treat others like he does when things are not good in his life? So people look at us and they say, well, well, when they deal with the world coming in, bringing that all in on them, how are they going to react in this world? And you and I can expect that, that God and His Word is going to still be true whether we are dealing with the best days we have or the worst days. But there is a world greater at large that's looking at me and you and saying, if I walk through difficulties and they walk through difficulties, certainly God showed up for them and He will for me too. So that gives the world around us hope. Whether or not they, they say it right away, because you know, some of us are hard-headed. Anybody ever been called hard-headed? Maybe that's just me. Some of y'all are sitting here lying in church. I'm telling you, some of y'all looked at me, not me, not me, I'm not hard-headed, nope. Okay, I'm going to let that say what it says. So, some of y'all are doing this number right here. I'm trying not to make eye contact, so. But, sometimes it just takes us a little bit more. The Bible says it like this, sometimes someone comes along and plants a seed, somebody comes along and waters it, somebody comes along and takes care of it, and at the appropriate time, it's ready. So sometimes it takes more than just the preacher saying it to a lost person. It takes you saying it to a lost person. It takes you cultivating that soul. It takes you speaking the truth in love. It takes someone continuing the mission of God in that person's life so they see that it's not just part of church. It is interconnected through everything in life. Remember, we are not greater than he that is within us. And we're in this world, but we are not of this world. It's often said like this, people persecute Christians because they do not know God. That's a pretty fair statement, right? People persecute Christians because they don't go God. Because if they knew God, they'd love on folks, right? If they knew God, they would serve other people. If they knew God, they would walk humbly, wouldn't they? Because as we know, to love God is still to love other people and treating them the way that they've been treated. People that persecute have hate in their hearts and therefore, I think, do not exhibit the qualities of Christ. And that's long been my, my rub with a lot of times. We expect people to come to church and automatically fall into line. Let me tell you what. When folks come to church that don't normally come to church, that aren't church folks, that's the time where we need to issue grace, right? That's the time we need to understand humility. That's the time we need to say, you might not know how things go, but we're going to love you anyway. Because love changes the hearts of those around us. And when you love somebody, they're more apt to do what? Accept Jesus' words, aren't they? When you and I serve other people without expecting anything back, there are others that say, you know what? They love Jesus so much that they serve me. So there must be something to this Jesus. And so I've found that folks listen with their heart whenever you love with yours, don't they? They listen. In verse 21, it says this. It says, but all these things they would do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. That's Jesus talking about God there. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have not, they would not have sinned. But now they have no excuse for their sin. 
So you and I, when we live as disciples, not of this world, but in this world, and we do the things that God has called us to do with a boldness and courageousness, with humility, of course, then we help others give less excuses for why they believe the way the world does, don't we? We begin to show them a better way. We begin to show others that there's hope in the madness of this world. We need to be more students of God's Word so that when that comes about and when opportunities arise, we don't say, well, I've got this on my calendar, this on my thing, this on my thing right here. We stop and we say, this is the appointment that I need to keep today. This is what's going on in my life, but this is what God's presented before me. And you will never, ever regret stopping what's your plan and doing what God's plan is, will you? Because God has a bigger plan than us. And our ultimate goal is to glorify God in all that we do. We think about sin and we think about the things that we face in this life. But the ones who hate believers, you and I, hate Jesus. And because of that, they also hate God. And I know hate is a strong word. But it is, it is applicable here. Because there's no other way to say it. You can't be a, both a friend of God and hate God. Or hate your neighbor. Or hate your brother. Or hate somebody else. We've got to think of that. In all this. But you and I can count ourselves as blessed. Because people associate us with Jesus. I truly believe he's worth it all. And I've ran across believers who when they get in a situation, maybe they get around people that don't believe or don't do like they do or don't trust in, in God like they do, they begin to compromise. They say, well, I just won't talk about it or I just won't do this or I just won't do that. Y'all, it's worth it to tell the good news in love because there's so many people that I'm sure poured into your life over and over again before you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, didn't they? There's people that prayed for you so hard and prayed for you and prayed for you and showed up for you in big and small ways. And it, maybe it wasn't like they were just stating Scripture, but they were living it out. Maybe they loved on you every time you came around and you didn't have love in your life. Maybe they told you that they were here and showed you that they were there when you needed them the most. And maybe you didn't have that in your house growing up. Maybe there were just so many other ways that that Christian believers demonstrated the love of Christ to you. And so they did all of this. And I tell you that if we are associated with Him and people look at us and say, that's a follower of Christ, then I believe it's worth anything that we can have come against us, isn't it? Because I'm telling you, it is costly to be a follower of Jesus Christ and do it with such adherence that the Bible calls us to. Y'all, the Word of God says, because they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. And this is not always persecution like we, th we see overseas where you lose your life. But you might lose some of the things that you hold dear. Because reality is there's nothing more important than Him. 23rd verse of John 15 says, He who hates me hates my Father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now they have both seen 
and hated me in my Father's will. But they have done this to fulfill the word that is written in their law. They hated me without cause. So he says, yes, all of these things have happened, Jesus did, because of a greater plan. The cause of the greater plan of God and His love for humanity, Jesus died for us, right? Because at any point, could Jesus have walked away from dying on the cross? Sure He could have. At any point, could He have not helped those around and simply said, we're just going to deal with their sin and they are condemned? Sure He could have. But at the heart of God was love for His creation. He created me and you to do great and amazing things in this world. And in finality, Jesus says, you continue what I did while I was here, and I'm going to prepare a better place for you, but you continue the mission. That means that no matter how hard it gets, you go and you do what I have set before you. And it's going to be hard, but it's going to be worthwhile, right? It's going to be hard, but it's going to be worthwhile. Missionary Jim Elliott had a mission to the Ecuadorian Indians. Now, he was born into a godly family in Portland, Oregon, graduated in 1949 from Wheaton College in Illinois with the highest honor as a Greek major. He was gifted. He had interest all over the place. He had so many things he was good at. He was one who was, he was great at public speaking, music, art, literature, poetry. He memorized hundreds of hymns. Can you imagine memorizing all the hymns in the hymn book and just right there? Some of us can't remember what we had for breakfast. Who does? No, I'm not going to go there. But, but he says he remembered all of those things. But taking up wrestling in college to develop his body for the glory of God, he became a wrestling champion. So this man not only was intellectual, not only could remember a bunch of stuff, but he also could wrestle folks. And I imagine, can you imagine like standing against him when he said, do you know Jesus? And then got in his stance, you know? Can you imagine what happened when he could recite all of those songs which others had merely just heard, but he knew them? And, and I, I, I've, I've ran into people before. We had a, a guy in one of our churches, his name was Art Compier. He memorized Bible books and could recite them. Just an amazing kind of thing. Some people can do those kind of things. But in 1952, he went to Ecuador. He established a school and Bible teaching ministry among the Indians of that area. And after a long courtship at Wheaton, he married Elizabeth Howard in 1953. So he kept a journey through all of this. And one of the things he says in his journal through all of this and some of us remember these statements. Some of his statements have become classics within the Christian life. And maybe you've heard a few of these things. He said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Some of you have heard some of his quotes that he said because of his walk with God. He says, wherever you are, be all there. <laughs> That's pretty good right there. Wherever you are, be all there. He says, live to the hilt of every situation you believe to be the will of God. His journals also reflected a sense of urgency, which you and I should also have within our walk, a sense of urgency. I seek not a long life, but a full one like you, Lord Jesus. 
And he says, Father, if thou wilt let me go to South America to labor with thee and to die, let me go soon. So he went to the Ecuadorian Indians, and for three months he brought dropped supplies in there, right? What's he doing? He's trying to form a relationship with these people, right? He's trying to build trust among a people which he doesn't fully speak the language or know their lives in and out, but he wants to bring Christ to them at all costs because he believes that he has been led there. He had a vision. So he and his four companions began to reach out to this primitive Indian tribe in eastern Ecuador. After three months, they landed on the beach at the Cure River in their territory. They were encouraged by friends to con through their contact with three of the Indian tribe members. But two days later, ten of them attacked and killed all five of the missionaries, including Jim Elliott. So if you've never heard this story, they killed all of them. Their deaths and repercussions around the world were felt, including the subsequent, I guess, the subsequent conversion of many of the Indians. The story of his life is recorded through the books called Through the Gates of Splendor and the Shadow of the Almighty by Elizabeth Elliot. The remarkable thing about Elizabeth Elliot, and if you haven't read any of her material, she was pretty profound as well. Now what she did is she continued the mission. So she said, my husband was about the will of God, and he went in these areas, they took his life. But she went back and served the people along with other ladies who served the people. And she had someone come into her tent or her workspace one day. And it was a man who had accepted Jesus and changed his life. And the very man that walked into her tent or her work area on that day was the man who took her husband's life. She loved and served the very people who took her husband's life. She humbly served others. She understood that she was in this world, but not of this world. She understood what he said it was going to be costly to be a follower of his. But she firmly believed that she wanted to be right where God called her to be. And that's where we ought to be as disciples. Right where he called us to be. And some of us might not be right where we want to be. Anybody know that? Understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we're in situations or places in life, jobs, occupations, other things that we didn't really want to be in that place. We didn't ask to be in that place. But very well so, we are right where God wants us to be and we are meant to glorify Him to our best, to our utmost for His glory where we are. And there are opportunities all around us. See, the thing about it is, if you and I are children of God, who resides in you and me? The Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit, the helper, is within me and you. So when we go into battles, we don't battle alone. Amen? Y'all, when we face what's before us, the mission and commission of Christ, Life's difficulties and hardships, persecutions and pains, setbacks and all of that. We have the Holy Spirit living and active in us. We don't battle alone. And y'all, this world can make so many of us feel like we're walking 
the path that we're on by ourselves. And I'm reminded more time than not, I don't walk by myself. If I've been bought with a price and Christ is within me and His love is in me, I am to love others, yes. But I am to also have the assurance and the humility to know that I don't walk by myself. That He walks in me. And gives me the courage to do all that He's called me to do. Verse 26 says, When the Helper comes, not if the Helper comes, or maybe the Helper is going to come, but when, whom I will send you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will testify about me, and you will testify also because you have been from me from the beginning. So because you know Jesus... The Holy Spirit's with you because the Holy Spirit's with you. You have a testimony to tell because you have a testimony to tell. You can tell the good news, serve others, and do what He has called you to do. To testify, to walk humbly, to love others, and to treat them with such love like He did. And in the way that He did. So we see realistic expectations. They start and end, truly, I believe, with our quiet time every day, right? We've got to plug into Him, right? How many of you have these cell phone devices, right? If you never plug it in, is it going to keep plugged up and have battery and just ready to go? Maybe you've been like, never been like me where you didn't plug it in and you went to using it. It didn't turn on, did it? You could hold that thing upside down if you wanted to and it's not going to turn on. You could throw it across the room, it's not going to turn on. Something wrong with this phone. We didn't plug it in. You and I must be plugged into God's Word every day. That's our quiet time. That's our time with Him. And I believe that time with Him, it resets our heart and mind. Right? It resets our heart and mind to His plan for our daily lives. One of the things I thought about in in thinking about that, it's a refreshment for a thirsty soul. And you and I can become kind of parched in this world by the things that we're facing. It's refreshment for our soul. Because His Word and, and time with Him provides that living water we need, doesn't it? A lot of us, we want to get a big old cup of that living water. But just like those who were in Exodus had the manna for their daily, you and I have what we need for our daily lives. And we need to come back to the well every single day, right? We need to come back what we need for that day, for the next day, and rely on Him for all of that. But I really believe for many of us who are weary and heavy laden today, He can do that for us as well if we come to Him today and be honest with Him about what you need. The Bible says He knows what we need even before we tell Him, but it's in the coming to Him that we recognize and and proclaim that He's all that we need. And He's all that we have. He's all that we need and He's all that we have. And when we do that, with that earnest, honest, humble heart, then He will flood us with all that we need for that day, so that we might take that, right, and do the same with somebody in this world that doesn't have a clue about Him. 
Also, we can count ourselves to be blessed, to be associated with followers of Jesus. I believe it's when others can't tell a distinction between us and the world that it becomes a troublesome point, doesn't it? When we become just like everybody else, it gives nobody else the reason to pursue a relationship with Jesus Christ, does it? When you and I are just like others, we go to the places and do the things they do and, and are engaged in the things that they are, and they can't tell a difference between us and them. Why do they want to know Christ? We've got to do the things that He has called us to do. And as this passage tells us, that as we prove battle-tested and true to our calling, just like Him, our testimonies will shine bright to those we encounter. See. In this world, our lives, yours and mine, as children of God, our lives are to resemble His. That's what it means to be born again, right? We're not us. We are Him. And we live in that way. But we must, as children of God, be on mission for Him. I've heard many of evangelist and teacher say, I can never repay him for all that he's done. And I agree with that statement. But we can certainly make a difference in this world of darkness by bringing some hope during our lifetime here. And you and I don't know when our time is going to be complete. But what we do know is that today, we can do all that we can for a God who did all he can for us. So our comfort and courage both exist because of the helper we have in the Holy Spirit. I believe it's this comfort and this courage that led Jim Elliott and his friends to continuously reach out to those that ultimately took his life. Elizabeth Elliott later continued that mission, meeting up with the very man and giving him forgiveness herself, even though he had been forgiven by God. And she left a lasting impression in that village that you can find even today. And it's only by the grace of God that she was able to continue the mission that was set before her. On this day, is He your comfort and courage? Do you have the proper perspective of the Holy Spirit that enables you to accomplish His will and overcome the obstacles that we have to endure. This morning, I'm going to invite you in this time of invitation to ask those very questions. To recognize that you and I have all that we need to accomplish all that He has called us to. Disciples, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. We are not meant to look like everybody, respond like everybody, live like everybody else. We are meant to be on task for the Lord until He calls us home. Whatever the cost, whatever it costs you and me, I believe it's worth it, isn't it? If there's one or more that gets to know who Jesus Christ is, it's worth it. If there's more that get to know, because it's not simply about you and I punching our card and saying, we're going to heaven. It's about telling others about Jesus Christ, serving others, loving others, helping others recognize their own sin and finding Jesus 
that makes all the difference in the world. And folks, I've, I've done hundreds of funerals. And you know what? I tell people here, if they're a child of God, their legacy is their story of God in their life and how they lived and lived well and how they loved and loved well and how despite their shortcomings, what? They did all they could for the glory of God. And this is what we are to do as children of God, as followers, as disciples. We are to do all that we can for the glory of God and for His name's sake in this world. And it's my hope that it's not just us thinking about eternity for ourselves, but how many others can we tell the good news that they might come to, that they might have hope to. So if you're here this morning and you've never known a love like Jesus's, then I invite you today to respond. Because from this point on, you'll never have to worry whether or not you are a child of His. And you'll never go into the battles that you'll face in this world all by yourself. You'll understand that He within you is greater than the world around you. And you can be overcomers because of Him. Not because of me and you, because we don't deserve it but because of God's love and His mercy and His grace, which does amazing work in our life. Y'all, let's stand and pray this morning. Father God, we come, even here, even now, even today, and we know that we don't deserve all that You have blessed us with, that You've given for us. Ultimately, You gave Your life for us. Father, I pray this morning that if there's someone here that absolutely does not know You as Lord and Savior, that does not have that relationship in their lives, and they've never ever said yes to You. God, I pray today that they allow for the hope, the grace, the forgiveness that You've given to just pour out into their lives. To remind them that while they may have done things in this life, God, You forgive us all. And you love us even still. And we have a purpose and a plan that is beyond this world. So God, I pray this morning, if there's someone that needs to know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that they make that known today. God, I pray for all of us who need that encouragement in the seasons we've been in, God. We can become so day-to-day -day doing the same things. But God, you've called us every day to rely on you as our daily bread to look to Your Word and to look to Your leadership and opportunities that are around us to tell the good news, to serve others. Father God, there's so many here that serve in so many capacities, God. You've called them to, whether it's places they really thought they'd ever be or not. But God, You gave them a purpose and a plan that is not of this world, that Your hope and Your love might extend further and further. Father God, I pray that we are a people it says, yes, Lord. God, whatever you call us to, Lord, yes, Lord, to your glory and to your name's sake. Father, I pray this morning if we need to know what it's like to have a family in God, that if there's someone searching for a home, a church home, that they might consider friendship. God, we love you and we thank you for all these things. It's in your great name and sake we pray. Amen. Number 413. <laughs> Thank you for joining the Friendship Family today. Your time is your most valuable commodity, and we are enormously grateful that you chose to share some of it with us. 
If you would like to know more about Friendship Baptist Church, please visit our website, friendshipsturges.com, or our Facebook page. Both links can be found in the show notes below. Although we would greatly appreciate you leaving this podcast a rating or review, we would be eternally grateful if you would be willing to share it with someone else. We pray you have a God-filled day, and please remember, love God, love people, and reach the world.